Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad, Anil Polat. Welcome to this episode. I've got a great episode for you. It was a really fantastic conversation that took me to places. You'll learn about new cultures. I think you're going to enjoy this a lot. My guest today is Juno Kim, who is a writer who runs the blog Runaway Juno, and she also works in the tourism industry in Alaska. But before we get to Alaska, we talk about her home country, Korea. We talk about Lunar New Year and what that's like and celebrating it. We talk about a lot of fascinating things that I didn't know about, things, traditions that happen in the house. So things that as a traveler, as a tourist would be difficult for you to see because unless you know somebody and you're you're invited over. So it's it's a really interesting tradition uh, revolving around, uh, revolving around, did you see, see what I did there? Yeah, revolving around the Lunar New Year. And we talk about why it's called Lunar New Year and why it's not called that. And then we talk a lot about Alaska too, which is one of the places that I just fell in love with when I visited last year. And since Juno now lives there, it's her adopted home and works there and pretty much knows all there is to know about tourism in the state. It's We talk about where to go, why you should visit, what to see when you're there, how things are changing, all kinds of things. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So this is the time where I'll be quiet and we'll just get right into it. So here's my conversation with Juno Kim. Thank you for getting up early and uh, taking the time to talk to me. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So you're in Korea now, right? Uh, in Seoul or? Yeah, in Seoul. And I want to talk about your blogging history uh, and, and just sort of, because again, I, I spoke with uh, Angelina Brogan last week and she was one of the first people that I kind of knew online when there were only like 20 or 30 travel bloggers. And you're one of those people that, that I have known online for, for quite a while. Um, but I don't know how you got into it. Everybody has a unique story, how you started blogging uh, and, and where that's led you up until today. Yeah, I think especially, um, you know, like the 20 people you mentioned, I think that era, because I think we are sort of considered the first generation of the travel bloggers. I think especially that era people have such an amazing stories because it was never existed before you know um so same for me like you are one of the first people that i've known from blogging too you know for a long time so um i was born and raised in korea and i had full intention of you know, living in the country. And I just didn't think um, much of it because nobody I knew lived anything differently. Um, so I graduated from grad school and I had a job. I was an engineer, mechanical engineer. Um, and during my education, I have traveled a um, little bit differently than other people who do here in Korea. So, um, I knew I was a little bit different and uh, while I was working and even before that, so I would love to share those stories, you know, like I went to New Zealand for a month and, you know, I didn't speak in English and, you know, I met this beautiful people. So you try to share those stories, but not a lot of people I knew could sort of be in the conversation together because they were either like, oh, that's great, but 
you know, what did you see the news yesterday? You know, sort of the conversation never went anywhere. So I was sort of searching, you know, online and that's around time when like Twitter got very popular and like social media sort of started out. Um, even it was a time when there's another platform other than Facebook, which is not thinkable these days, but there's another platform that people are using, you know, like Babel and, and all the kind of stuff. Um, so, and I've, you know, seen like Lonely Planet on Twitter, like, wow, like I'm talking to people at Lonely Planet. How amazing is that? Cause they're actually writing back to me. Like, oh, that's great. And then I got into this idea of like, oh, maybe I could start a blog. Cause I've sort of started seeing blogs out there. But it was before people were making money off of it. So it was never about the money or job. Um, so then, oh, then I'll maybe I'll open a blog and just write it on there. So that's sort of how I started. It just, you know, I was late at night in the office one day and I bought a domain and I started a blog and I sort of figured out how to make it. You know, I didn't know anything. So I just sort of figured it out. Um, and that's really how it started. And I was on Twitter and and that's where I got to know other travel bloggers, you know, Googling you know, who's out there, you know, who I could talk to. And I met them on Twitter. And at that time, there's no algorithm on social media, right? So what, whoever you follow, you see. So you talk to them. Um, so that's how I started. And it wasn't an intention of making into a career or had any goal. This was simply... I wanted a channel to share my stories, talk to the people who understand what I'm talking about, and just be in the community. And then I found it. Yeah, I, th I think that's a, it's a really, now when people get into blogging or social media or YouTube or whatever, most of them want to make money. And so the, the, the way they focus is different than, you know, back when we started, which is really like a, a way to connect with people, which, um, which is, it, which was nice. And I think it's, it's harder to find that online now. Yeah, exactly. And that was very new at the time, connecting people with online and it's a very genuine conversations and, you know, people that I've known in the beginning, I still talk to them and it was actual communication and connection, you know, and nowadays it seems to kind of seems a little harder because there's a lot of you know noises out there but yeah yeah and i mean a sidetrack a little bit but now when i get a message from a reader or somebody who's seen a video of mine or something i almost am like suspicious is maybe a strong word but you're like wait a minute why are you is this some kind of ad because it, the, the, a lot of times it's it seems like a real person a genuine person but then it's, you know, it's some company or some ad or somebody wants to promote something, you know, it doesn't, it's very rare now that I get like an email from just a person who's just looking for advice or wants to talk or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, there's a student who got in touch with me last year and was like, I'm collecting postcards from around the world and I was very suspicious and I was like ah, this, this can't be real I started sending postcards as I traveled and now I think it's a real person which is really nice so I got nice messages and I was like oh okay cool it wasn't like a you know some content farm or something <laughs> yeah 
So, you know, my, I haven't been to South Korea. My, you know, it's kind of a place that's like a contrast to me from the outside. It seems like a very creative and sort of almost like wild place in terms of there's always things happening. You know, there's a, this seems to be a great nightlife. Like people, it's very active. This is sort of how I get it. But there's also this very strict part of the culture. So, how was it like traveling and blogging? And ultimately, when you make that decision to, you know, leave engineering, I, I mean, I'm just wondering how your family reacted, you know? Yeah. Um, there was, there was a difficult time to say the least. Um, so, yeah, like you said, the, Korea that people look at it now um, it's very different than how I grew up I grew up in the 90s um, our economy was growing and we are very much in a develop, developing nation um, so I grew up in a very traditional household um, I have an older brother um, you know like the society itself is very traditional you know, conservative maybe is a one more, but it's traditional. So we have a traditional value, how we grew up. We are very um, based on the Confucianism and, you know, so like respecting your elder, you know, that all came from the Confucianism. And we have our, each holiday, we have the ceremony we do for ancestors. So we always done that. Um, so when I was starting traveling, um, I often said, that if I never traveled on my first time, that I wouldn't have become the this person, same person. And that is very much true. That when I first saw, um, and my first destination was New Zealand, you know, it's a, literally the other side of the world and also very figuratively, it is very other, other side of the world. You know, people are, you know, it's a loosely, loosely populated, there's, you know, forests everywhere and people are very open-minded and sort of, you know, very mellow and relaxed. And <clears throat> so that really taught me a lot about, oh, there's different people living in the world and there's different way of living. Um, so I think when I was living here hundred <clears throat> percent of time and growing up, you know, as any younger people that I didn't appreciate the culture so much because you know you see these Hollywood movies and like TV shows from America and like oh they look so free you know they can do whatever they want like, you see people in high school and they can wear whatever they want and you know but it wasn't like that for us we had a school uniform we had a dress code and everything so I felt like um, we were not not as free you know maybe too conservative and so I didn't appreciate it much and. So I started travel more and more and more, um, learning about different culture, different people, and really loved to hear other type of stories and stuff like that. So at that time, all I wanted was to see the world. So I, you know, and around that time that people were starting to make some income from blogging, because at the time we all shared what we were doing. And, and I thought, oh, maybe I can do this too. So I left. Um, to be basically a full-time traveler, which I've never heard, nobody I know have ever done, you know, in my country. And still, I don't know anyone who's, who have done that, um, even like how many years later. 
Um, so it was really new at the time and the people thought I was throwing out all my education and good job and everything. And so my parents were understandably very upset that they were just more than, you know, more than upset. They were just very concerned for my future because that's all the future they knew. They worked really hard to give me that future and I have gotten all the education and, you know, had a good path in front of me. So they were concerned about that. And at the time, I also learned so much about how people think, you know, going through a crisis that you always learn something new and at the other side of it. So I was upset at the same time the parents are so upset and the saying stuff. And, but I also understood what they were, where they're coming from. So I also appreciate that experience. Um, <clears throat> so it was hard. But I left and I traveled and, you know, basically never stopped since. Um, and it was a really valuable time. And you know, I was younger and, you know, you, that's the time that you can sort of risk, you know, risk something. Um, yeah, it was a really valuable experience. And I have gotten a lot of other Asian women who have felt a similar way and had a similar experience. So I had that community created as well. So when was the moment? I, I, I don't, I think all of us kind of have a moment where we're like, ah, maybe I could keep doing this. You know, maybe I could turn this into a job. Did you have that kind of moment where something happened and you were like, hmm, okay, this is possible? Um, I think, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that at the end of, my office job that you know I was reading blogs like yours and you know other folks and you know they were starting to make a small bit of income I mean no by no means it was a living income at the time nobody could live off of it it's just a little bit to support your travels so that's where how I started like maybe it could support me traveling rather than like I'm gonna make this into a job and you know, save money from it. So that's all I wanted at the time to something to support my travel. And, you know, I have a will and if I have this outlet and if I could make a little bit of income, then yeah, I can support me. So that's, I think that was the beginning and then <clears throat> a lot changed since then. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really changed. I mean, the whole landscape has changed. Do you, like, how do you look at it now? I mean, when you look back, do you have any regrets or any things you wish you had done differently? Or are you happy with, you know, kind of how it worked out? Um, I mean, a lot of stuff. That, um, first of all, I wish I knew more about the website creation. <laughs> you know? um, I didn't know much about it. Not a lot of people knew much about it. And, you know, so I have the same blog I, I set up at the time, you know, so how I made the categories and tags and, you know, sort of the metadata, how it in the back of the site, you know, those are, when I look at it now, I'm like, ooh, I want to change it, but I can't because if I change this, all the links will be gone, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, other than that, I don't think I have any regrets because I didn't know anything at the time and I couldn't have made any other decisions 
you know, of what I've done. And I'm guessing your family got more on board with the idea. Like eventually they saw they, the worry went away and they kind of, you know, were like, okay, maybe we don't have to be so, so worried. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm the same person and they see me growing up 20 some years at the time. And, you know, they know I would make smart decisions wherever I go. And, you know, eventually they sort of say, saw that after some period <laughs> and somehow you you end up in Alaska which I find fascinating because when I was in Alaska last year I'm like everybody there had like a story like everybody I mean it's just you just because I don't know you just see people there and you're like what do you what do you do how did you get here what are you doing here I, it's a beautiful <laughs> place it's absolutely beautiful but it is so different and remote and there's so many people from the outside coming in there didn't seem to be like a ton of locals how did that that happen so um like you said everybody in alaska has a story and a lot of people have a story like you know similar to mine in a way how they landed there um I really, I was really bummed that I missed her last year, by the way, because like exactly the same week I was out of state. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so yeah, you have to come back. Um, so, you know, I so I started traveling since um, 2011, and that's when I left home. And more or less, I was never home. That you know, I came to visit and for the holidays and that kind of stuff. And when I had to go through some visa issues, I had to be here for a little while. Um, but other than that, I was really traveling a lot. And in the beginning of my blogging, I always said something like I was traveling in the process of finding a home because at, at some times I didn't feel like I was belonging in Korea because I was too different. But even now I am very different, you know. And so that was why that I I thought I needed to find somewhere um, that I belong, that I like to be around. And I so that was always sort of in the back of my mind to find out um, where I could live. And you know, living in Korea was always a possibility too. But I always um, wanted to find that place so what I went to came to Alaska on really a, like a chance I was in a project somewhere else and I met people from um, Alaska and you know as anybody who you meet from Alaska you're like you always say oh I always wanted to be there I always wanted to go there everybody says that um, so I met them and like I said the same thing like I always wanted to be there and so I went to visit and that sort of became a project so it was my first project in Alaska and that was in January so if you are in Alaska in winter and if you like it and then there's a huge chance you like it rest of the year because winter is extreme that if you're from sort of a temperate um, environment you know now even now um my, I was in the phone with my friend and then she said the snow was up in the half of our window. 
So she had to like move the snow. It's not a shoveling snow, it's a moved snow. You know, that kind of stuff. And then temperature is really low. Um, so I went up to the Arctic, um, over the Arctic Circle, and it was amazing. The scenery was amazing. People and just this environment. And I think because we're where we are, people are very laid back too. You know, they, one thing that strike me so much is we're in Anchorage. Anchorage is the biggest city in the state. It's not a capital, but it's the biggest city. Um, 350,000 people, by no means it's a big city. Um, so we're on the Anchorage on the streets, so I was walking. And then a person was walking with me, you know, were well known in town because he was living in there for a long time. So we're just walking and, you know, you say hi on the street and you kind of sort of, you know, hi, hi. But then I've noticed that people actually stopped on the street to talk to each other, you know, and it doesn't really happen in a lot of cities. Maybe that happened in New Zealand, you know, and it was, it was like very, very small thing, but like, wow, the people really to talk to each other here. And when we were in Anchorage, the scenery here, I'm sure you saw, it's the uh, ocean meets the big mountain. Mountain comes out literally from the ocean. And that is just so striking as a person who grew up near the mountain and the river. We have a big river that's the size of an ocean. Um, and entire country of Korea is a mountain. So like that scenery was amazing. And I like winter. So the winter scenery and also um, I'm very interested in, you know, traditional cultures, like native cultures. And Alaska has a lot of that, the very traditional knowledge. So all of that combined really was just so striking to me. Like I was so fascinated by the destination. So I left and I stayed about three weeks and then I left. Um, but I've always kept in touch with people in Alaska. I always wanted to know what was happening. It's just such a fascinating destination. And then I ended up going back a few years later for another project. And it was in fall. And the fall is also another very striking time of the year because we get very short, intense fall and everything turns yellow. And I was there about a month in the fall. And that was sort of the confirmation that, oh, I really do like it here. And I see the two different seasons. I spent about two months now. Um, can I live here? I was thinking like, I can, I think I can see myself living here and I know a lot about it. And, but um, because my husband is American and I'm Korean. So we were talking about how can we solve our living situation with the visa and stuff, because um, that can get tricky. You know, international marriage can be pretty tricky. So we were thinking, oh, maybe we'll live somewhere in America first because it was more suitable for our, what we were doing. You know, we were doing sort of entrepreneurial stuff and blogging and all that kind of stuff. And it was a little bit easier in America. So we were talking, where do we go? And Steven, who was also another blogger, uh, he's from the East Coast, he's from Pennsylvania. Um, so we were saying, you know, anywhere on the West Coast, like, okay. So I suggested, what about Alaska? We can try in Alaska. That's the West Coast. You know, it's far west. <laughs> um, so he's been there a really long time ago, but he knew about it, obviously. Um, so, you know, half doubtful what we started. But so far, 
it's been yeah it's been great and as you saw it's a beautiful beautiful destination like every day is just you're just wowed by the beauty and the extreme season changes and you know the people and the community and yeah it's a very interesting place to live and yeah. everybody has a similar story they came to visit and they never left yeah i mean i honestly thought i could live here i i was like yeah yeah it's i mean it doesn't look real like it's so like beautiful just everywhere i mean it it really is beautiful it's so untouched and and the 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 older i get the more i like places <laughs> that you know haven't been kind of messed up by people right like this is how i i just i look at major huge cities and i like them but part of me is like uh nature is just better there's something that i connect with more there and i feel like in alaska is like it's like people are living on the land but the land is kind of in control it feels like a lot of times you know like the weather and um it's it's i mean the first day i was there it was like 60 degrees and i was in i was in seward i took a, a a wildlife boat tour and it was they said this is totally unusual it's very warm there was no wind anything like that but a week later in fairbanks driving you know down back to anchorage there was a snowstorm and i i don't know i mean it was pretty crazy if it had been like a little bit more intense i don't think i could have made the drive it was wild i mean yeah. it was just like i mean i don't know how people live here but i was just fascinated by it it's just <laughs> one of the most beautiful and kind of uncut places in the world that i've been yeah and i can you know ski from my house and in the winter we put on ski from the house and we just go to the trail and it, you know where else can you do that i mean a lot of places but you know <laughs> yeah no it's it's amazing I, i i think the people have this attitude of like i i always felt that it's the attitude of you can do whatever you want don't mess with me it's all it's like a weird mix of like really really hipster and really really like libertarian that's i mean maybe i'm totally off but that, that was just like that's kind of how i no it, it is a very libertarian place yeah and you can see it why right like it just it, you're in the i mean you're out there you know it's 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 a mm -hmm. it's a beautiful place i mean is it hard i mean like when you move there is the the does the fantasy go away a little bit and, and you're like oh okay maybe maybe the winter is really a lot harder than I expected, or maybe, you know, the people aren't as nice, or did, did something kind of make you think twice, or is there some things that are different than what you expect before you move? Um, so the beauty doesn't go away. So that part is always there. Um, but, you know, you learn different things about how to endure winter, how to endure summer. And, you know, so there's different parts of it. So like in summer, you have to get used to the 24-hour daylight. So you have to have a blackout curtain. And I don't like blackout curtains. I think that's unnatural, but still need to have to sleep. <laughs> so we always have that struggle. In winter, when there's no snow and daylight gets shorter, you really feel that. You really feel not having daylight around like November. Daylight is getting really short, but November or October, a lot of times there's no snow. And it's just dark all the time. So that is that can be hard. But once the snow hits, it's kind of really bright. So 
you know, those are good. Um, so just to how to live in Alaska was a little bit difficult to figure out. Like you, you need, you know, you live in the city, but everybody has every gear that you can think of. In Alaska, you really do need those gear and you need, you really need those gear to work. You need, you know, really good raincoats, rain boots, because you wear it daily and it really needs to work, you know. And you need to have a really good snow boots, really good winter boots, so you don't freeze out there. You know, so all the gear that you may have never have used, you need to have it. You need to have bulk of bulk of stuff, you know. So that kind of stuff is interesting to figure out. Um, and you know, heating bills a lot. You know, there's just different part of living. Um, another part that I was uh, didn't know at the time, but then I sort of realized is Alaska is a very diverse place. Um, it's, it's very, very diverse. There's a good population of Alaska native people, the traditional landowners of the people, and also obviously a lot of Caucasians, um, you know, Americans, you know, European um, ancestry, you know, Americans. And also we have a lot of immigrants from Asia so Chinese, Korean, Japanese, there's a huge population and we have a lot of Thai um, and, you know, a lot of Vietnamese. So different um, Asian ancestry. And also we have a number of like Samoan population and Africans. So it's a very, very diverse place. Um, but the fact is that it's not really integrated really well. So say you think of New York City. New York City is very diverse, um, but it is integrated, right? So you go to New York City as an Asian person. I never feel like I'm from out of town because you see Asians everywhere. Any any industry, you see a people sim look similar as you somewhere, right? In any industry, not just in service industry, you know, but you see them on TVs and streets, selling something, traveling, you know, everywhere. But in Alaska, it's not really like that. Um, although it is very diverse, it is always um, promoted as a very diverse place. Diversity isn't really mixed so much. So you don't, in say tourism, because I'm in tourism, there's not a lot of other race of people in tourism. So when I was working at the Tourism Bureau, um, I was the, one of the few Asians in the tourism industry. Um, in the building, I was the only um, Asian um, like destination manager. Um, so those were kind of different. And this might be also America, not just Alaska, because I never really lived anywhere in America. This was the first place I actually lived, um, lived and worked a long period of time. Because, um, you know, race is always a, issue in America. It's a point of conversation in America, right? Um, it's whether it's about Asian hate or it's about African-Americans or any other um, race, it's always a point of conversation. And I've known that, but I've never experienced it myself. And especially when the Asian hate, you know, came out not too long ago. I was invited a lot to um, other publications to talk about the issue. And then some, somebody called me a person of color. And it really struck me. Like, am I a person of color? Like, why am I a person of color? Like, I know a place everybody looked like me. 
my home country. Like, you know, I was never called anything. But in America, I was a person of color. Like, am I a person of color? I still have a doubt about that, but I guess I am. Um, and same in Alaska too. Even when I was working in the, very much in the field that you can feel that little bit of difference that people either treat you differently or think of you differently. You always sort of stand out in a way that's not always positive. And I see that also with, between like Alaska Native people and, and they're, you know, it's always a struggle with the indigenous population and um, the new world. It's always a struggle, but yes, yeah, so that was very interesting to find out and a little bit disheartening at times. And I guess, you know, Alaska is kind of a, I mean, I think of it as a small place, whether the communities are small, the cities are mm-hmm. small, uh, you know, does it make it, you know, easier or difficult? Or do, do I mean, did you find that people are hostile or, I mean, obviously not all people, but, or do you feel that it's more of a sort of a discomfort or, you know, people who are just unfamiliar. What is the sort of the reaction like in a place like Alaska where it's so small, right? And, 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 um, you know, I I guess what I'm trying to say is in a small place, sometimes you can really be made to feel like an outsider. And Mm -hmm. in other places, it's more like people are just like, have, are not used to you or just uncomfortable. You know, I've, I've, I've had that in Europe where just people are just like, you know, you can tell there's a discomfort, right? Like, yeah, where are you from? You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's not hostile. It's just kind of like awkward, I guess, is, is the better way to put it. But some places are, you know, you do encounter hostile people. But, you know, what's mm-hmm. it like in Alaska? So one thing that's very interesting is that if you are born and raised in Alaska, that's like a stamp of gold. You know, and people are, you know, you can be very proud of that, you know, and you should be proud of that. It's a place that uh, pioneers came, although we don't like the word pioneering um, in Alaska because there's Alaska Native people always pioneering before them. Um, so, you know, when I was working at the Bureau that, you know, we were talking about destination and Anchorage is like this, Alaska is like this. And some people always kind of caught me off and like, oh, I'm actually, I was born and raised here, you know, so they would put themselves above me that, you know, she's not from here. So I know a little bit better, you know, but as as a traveler, as you know, people who are from other places can see better about the destination, especially the place you're born and raised. Same with Korea, when somebody else come and look at things differently and learn from them, right? So that kind of stuff happened all the time, not, you know, not just in tourism, but, you know, talking about how is it like a living in the winter? How's like darkness? And I'll say stuff like, oh, you know, talking about somebody who lived here for five years, you know, that kind of stuff, you know? So that sort of stuff happens that people sort of undermining other people without them knowing. But that's the issue, like any social issues, they, especially racism or any of these issues that, you know, they do it without bad, bad intention, but it still hurts other people. So when you point out that's not good and they're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a good person. What are you talking about? You know? So that's why it's hard to have a conversation. 
Um, but so that kind of thing happened too. And not a lot of people I know in Alaska have extensively traveled, which is another interesting part because probably we're really far away. Like going anywhere, you need to fly to Seattle first, which is three and a half hour <laughs> flight first. And then you can go somewhere, right? Only place you have advantage is like Hawaii. It's a five hour flight from Alaska to Hawaii. Um, so maybe because of that, I don't know, but there's not a lot of people I know have traveled extensively or lived somewhere else. Or So sometimes I think they don't understand maybe. Like as a me, I'm a person who, who's living outside of my home country. I'm away from everybody I know. My one side of family is on the other side of the coast. My other side of family is you know, other side of the ocean. So I don't have any family near here. And I'm away from everything I've known and things that I've learned from other places that I lived and traveled. Um, so you, have, as a traveler, you have understanding. Everybody can be different. We have our differences. We do things differently, but it doesn't mean that we're different. Right. So that's a very fundamental understanding as a traveler. That's why we meet fellow travelers and you can just instantly talk about stuff and get bond, you know. But that is a little bit lacking because I don't meet a lot of people who have a similar history like that, like you or like me or my husband, you know. So I feel sometimes hostile from them, but maybe because lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that will change. I mean, with, with more tourists coming, more people visiting. Um, when you say Alaska to people to travel, they, it's it does sound like you're going to Antarctica, like the end of the earth, you know. To, it's really, you know, it's it's not that it is very, very far away from pretty much everything. But once you're there, yeah. like getting around, it's unless it's winter. I mean, I'm just speaking from my little experience in the fall. It's more or less normalish, you know, to, to do things. Yeah. I think in the winter it would be like no road trips. I don't. I just can't imagine that's that's possible in the winter. But yeah, and Alaska is like a country, you know, it's sort of like a Texas. A Texas, they it's like a nation. Alaska is also kind of like a nation. It's like an island, right? So you're bordering Canada. So when we couldn't go through Canada because of COVID, it was really like an island. There's no way in and out. Yeah, and it is, I think more people should visit it. Like, I just think it's one of, it's just like, I, I don't know. It it seems like it is a very wild place to go. Like it is of crazy, almost crazy. Like you're going to Siberia or something, mm-hmm. but it's not, but you do feel like, okay, I'm, it doesn't disappoint you is, is, is what I'm saying. Um, so I, I love it. I could talk with you about Alaska all day. Cause I, I really, it, it, it's, it, I, I love that place. It just, I, I was like, I want to see it in winter. I want to see what you have to come back in the winter, see the Aurora in the deep, deep in the winter and how people live in the winter. I have two complaints about Alaska. One is the only night that it was possible to see the Aurora. I was there for a pretty short trip. It was cloudy. I didn't get to see it in Fairbanks. And I did not see, and, you know, I drove from Anchorage to Seward to Denali to Fairbanks. I did not see one moose or bear. Oh, really? Oh, anything. that's... Really? You might have not 
you might have not spotted though because yeah. it needs sort of a trend eye to spot them okay okay because i was like where yeah. wait i'm in the middle of nowhere there has to be a moose and then when it was snowing on the way back from fairbanks like i would pull over and say okay it's white like everything is white I have to see it. There's got to be nothing. And I was like, maybe they don't have as many moose as they say they do. Oh, we do have, we have, do have as much <laughs> as we talk about. <laughs> I okay. mean, there's a few living near my house. So they always come through my house and eat my tree. And you yeah, know, we see them like daily. I've seen pictures on your site and I'm like, wait, where did, why did I miss the moose? You know, it, so I tried. But... There's even a bear came to my house once. Uh, there's lynx right in front of my house. Oh, yeah, wow. So there's a lot of wildlife. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there was a, I went for a walk on a little trail and there was just a sign that said, beware of bears. And it was kind mm -hmm. of in the city, you know, not right in the middle, but I was like, kind of worried like looking around like is there a bear gonna jump out like it's it's a place that feels like that could easily happen like yeah we always are bear aware so we have bear spray always and wherever we go we have a little bear belt that attaches my backpack so you make a sound because bears don't like the me metallic sound we heard so you have a little bear bell and moose is it actually moose is a more dangerous animal because they're you think they're so friendly, they're herbivores, and you know they look funny, but they can get very angry, and they're really large animals, especially in spring when there's baby. They can get very hairy. So yeah, you have to come back, and we have to show you around. Yes, definitely. I I, I would love that. I, and winter in Alaska, just I love winter. I like snow, so I, I'm, and I have to see the aurora because that yes, seems unreal yes. to me. Yes, you have to. So sort of speaking about the sky, I guess, which <laughs> transition to Lunar New, New Year. Mm -hmm. And I've been sort of following what you've been posting. And I, like I said, I did very little research into this for the purpose of just going in blind and asking dumb questions, which is what is Lunar New Year and how is it different than Chinese New Year? Because I feel there's... A connection there but i really don't know and maybe a lot of people listening don't know so um, if you could maybe give me like the the basics of, of what it is <laughs> so lunar new year is not actually what we call it so we call it in our language so the first of january in the calendar is um new new year so xinjiang that's a new year um the first of January in lunar calendar, we call it like old new year, because that's traditional new year. So lunar new year means it's the first of January on the lunar calendar. So you just go by, so we always follow two calendars. So if you see any of our calendar, there's always two numbers, big number as uh, any uh, Gregorian regular calendar. And there's always a small number that's following the lunar calendar. And people of my parent generation, usually they count their birthday with lunar calendar too. So lunar calendar is more traditional. Um, a lot of our holidays go by lunar calendar. So like 1st of January, 15th of January, which is first, first full moon of the new year is our holiday. Like not a holiday, but it's something to celebrate. Um, eighth full moon of the year which is August 15th. That's our holiday, like a harvest festival called Chusa. 
Um, so our holiday usually go by lunar calendar. Uh, lunar calendar and solar calendar are different because um, if you, the, you know, the year itself is actually shorter than 365. So you have to kind of make up in between. That's why there's a leap year, right? And the lunar calendar is made to follow the lunar phase, obviously. So um, we've, growing up, we've always followed lunar calendar. Um, so what's the difference with Chinese New Year is the same date, actually. But we don't call it Chinese New Year because we're not Chinese. <laughs> and uh, a lot of, I mean, in the world, people call it Chinese New Year because it's more commonly known. And you know, China became one of the major nations now that it's more commonly known. Um, but I would call it Lunar New Year because it's more commonly understood. Um, and that's the day we actually consider the new year has started, not the 1st of January. And so it seems like there are big celebrations for <laughs> both of the new years, uh, it seems like. And what, what does that look like in Korea? You know, what is the... the the, the beginning of the new year what is that that like and uh what is the association with the different animals i'm i'm curious um so the first of january in um in the calendar year um it's more of a i think it's more of a fun celebration like there's a show on tv um we ring our uh, so, you know, like in Times Square, just ball drop. So we have a big bell in the middle of the city um, in the street called the Bell Street, near my house. And so we ring the bell on the calendar clock of January 1st. Um, and there's like the celebration. And so usually we will watch TV and to see the bell ringing, that kind of stuff. Um, but for the lunar calendar, it's more of a family affair. So for us, um, my father is the oldest son of his family. So it means he's hosting a celebration for our ancestors. And this is a Confucius tradition. So what it entails is, so we would um, make a table full of food. So there's certain food you make for the holiday and there's certain items have to go on the table. So we would prepare two or three days before, you know, make preparation of different food and on the day before we would make the pancakes and all the other fresh stuff and the morning of the lunar new year we would have a celebration um with the we set the table and then we have a little um writing on in front of the table to call our ancestors so we consider them visiting our house um and then we celebrate together so we would have a little window crack open door little crack open um, have you seen Coco, the movie, the animation movie? I have not. I know about it, but I have not. Yeah. So if anybody has seen Coco, I have very much, it was, it really, it was moving movie, first of all, but then how they said it in the movies, just like how we think you need to have a writing on the table for the ancestors to come and then enjoy it together. And then we eat the food together and then they go back to where they came from. Um, so that's how we think. And so at the end of the ceremony, um, we will share all the food together because we consider the food was eaten by our ancestors. So we share the food, the same food they have eaten. On the New Year's Day, we make a uh, dumpling and rice cake soup. That's always a tradition. 
Um, so when we're little, we always consider you have to eat the bowl, one bowl of soup to actually get one year older. Because when you're younger, you want to get older. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and we do this type of ceremony twice a year. One was the, the harvest festival, the Chusa, so the eighth full moon of the year. And the food will be a little bit different because each season we have different seasonal foods. So food will be a little bit different, but we have a um, similar type of celebration. And then on the new year, we would also sort of saying good wishes to each other. Usually the elders sit in the front and then um, children or the younger siblings like sort of bow to them and then share good words. And, um, and then we share the food. So that's usually the celebration. Wow, and it's that's... more of a family, yeah, family celebration. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question, which is, is it a good time to visit, you know, as a, as a foreigner, as a traveler, or is it something that just really happens at home and you wouldn't really get to enjoy, kind of? Yeah, so unless you know a family, mm-hmm. I would think that so good, Solar New Year is more of a fun, like a party outside celebration, like a Western celebration. So a lot of things be open and you know but luna new year's usually a lot of things are closed because everybody do their family thing so um you know expat friends who used to live in korea um many years ago they would always travel outside of korea during luna new year because there's nothing for them to do they know they don't, they don't know anyone and not everything's closed but restaurants are closed you know bars are closed and um so if you know a family i'll say yes um but also these days you know as any countries or traditions traditions are kind of going away a little bit you know so it's a little bit slowing down i think it's the same in korea too so i think there's more things open and more things going on in luna new year than before so i wouldn't like shy away from it but you know, you might have to just know that things might be closed, especially in smaller cities. Good to know. Good to know that that's the time you go to Alaska. Then that that's when yeah. you go to Alaska, <laughs> and then. <laughs> and is there an a- animal association? Right, I think this is the year of the tiger, if I'm not mistaken. Um, right, I saw you. You had made some posts. I've always been confused about that. Yes. Yeah, so the animal association, it's. Yeah, it's also going by the tradition. So this year is a year of tiger, right? And there's 12, um, 12 animals that it you know repeats 12, every 12 years. So think of similar as, um, you know, like a Greek, the astronomy, astrology um, animals. So I think historically they have, a, they have a similarity. So they sort of mirror each other because, um, you know, traditions are kind of they sort of mix and match uh, you know so I mean I don't know too much about the history we always know that it's always around and in the olden days it was also um, part of a study people study all their lives you know as you know olden days like astrology was a very important part of people's life you know sort of similar like that so people study that things that you're born with um, and that association with your animal of your year. Yeah, I remember looking it up and going, oh, yeah, yeah, that is me. That, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody yeah, born I, in this. I think so, too. 
<laughs> and I'm like, but wait, is everybody born the year this this the same? Uh, but it is kind of cool. It is it it adds something I think to the to new. Is it if it's let's say you're a tiger, when it's the tiger year, do you get to celebrate more or is something different or something I special? I think it just makes you feel special. It's year of me, right? <laughs> so it feels like something good will happen, you know. But sometimes it's sort of sometimes if it's your year, um, and year before and after the period that you have to care for that's sort of part of a study that comes in there's you know there's this period of time based on your year the period of time you have to be a little bit careful and something you know so it's it's interesting it's like traditional religion type of knowledge you know yeah. but it's it's always fascinating to know about those things well it's been really great just following you as you've been posting about it because um you know, it based on our conversation, I mean, these traditions seem very detailed and deep and there's a lot to them. So it's been really nice to talk to you and just kind of learn a little bit more, especially those home celebrations, which are so hard, especially as a traveler to like understand or even know about, you know, because you get to see what's accessible to the public, but you don't really get to see home life unless you're really lucky you know, you, you make a friend or, you know, you meet somebody or something like that, but. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's one very small anecdote that when I met um, English teachers who are living here, because we have a lot of English teachers um, from America and other English speaking countries that they will sometimes complain, oh, there are so many rules in eating in Korea. Because I would <laughs> tell them, you know, when we're eating together, I'll sort of tell them as a courtesy that, you know, you're here culture is very important in our country. So it would be good for you to know. So I'll tell them, but they're complaining, oh, why there's so many rules, right? But so I thought about it and why, but if you, if you know these traditions, you know why. So the example was, so we are eating on the table. So we have spoon and chopsticks, right? And we have bowl of rice usually. Bowl of rice, spoon and chopstick, there's soup and there's little side dishes. And when you're eating your rice, you eat your, with your spoon, not your chopsticks. But then I think my friend was putting her spoon in like directly into bowl like this, you know, like a perpendicular. And I told her, oh, we don't do that on the table. They're like, oh, there's so many rules. <laughs> but the reason we don't do that on the table is because that's what we do for the ceremony for the ancestors, for the dead people. Ah. That's the only time we do it. So when in the, in the table, there's a bowl of rice and then you um, put the spoon directly perpendicular to it and then put chopstick nest to it. And that's the food for the ancestors. And then you'll make a really loud noise with your chopstick. You know, you like tap it in your table like this to call them. Mm. It's the signal for them to come. So we don't do that on the table when you're just eating, right? because that's part of the other tradition so something like that so once you know a little bit more a lot of things are they make sense and i know? guess when you grow up there it doesn't seem like a lot of rules it just seems like the the normal thing to do you don't yeah, think of it something like a rule, you don't right? do yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah and i guess you know when you when you travel somewhere when you're foreign somewhere else you know or when someone visited visits where you're from it seems like a lot of rules but you know we all kind of have those, right? Like you can see it when 
someone visits a place you're from and they're like, oh, I, I do that at home all the time. And it's like, well, not here. It's different, you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So traveling really, I think as a person who grew up in a, such a traditional environment, traveling that I didn't know at the time, but as the year goes, it really prepared me to appreciate other cultures, really. Because I've done similar things in my home, you know, different traditional um, customs or, you know, whatever they do. I would, I sort of look at it differently, knowing that, oh, there must be a reason, Mm -hmm. or that's something you should cherish. That's just something that's special. So I really appreciate that how, how, how I was raised, although I may have not appreciated the time, but I think it really prepared me to be a better traveler. And yeah, I, I think, you know, the more places you see, the more you, you start to understand, like the rules have meaning to the people there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and some people resist that because the rule or, you know, the culture is kind of what defines us and to change that can be scary or uncomfortable for some people when you go somewhere and you're like oh this feels very different um it takes some practice i think it takes some experience Um, Mm -hmm. but hopefully people are open to that when they when they travel to do things you know even if it's something as simple as like being on time like in germany you know like you don't you don't show up at five minutes before (laughs) you show up right on time you know there's one thing that very difficult for some of us but uh yeah Um, yeah (laughs) i i have one last question actually about the food for the ancestors i just thought about it so you have let's say rice for the for the ancestors. what happens to the food so so we eat them okay okay yeah so after the ceremony we will clear the table and then we will eat the same food that was on the table as well as other food that we prepare. But yeah, so it was considered blessed by the ancestors because they have came and eaten the food. So we all share the food. So when I was actually, when I was little, because we've been doing this as long as I can remember, because it was happened long before my dad was young, you know. So it was always in our house because my dad is the oldest of the son. Um, so you would like clear the table and then you put it on your table to like eat. And then, you know, the bowl of rice is uh, going around by shared by first from their, um, sit, my dad's siblings. So my dad and my uncles and my aunt, um, because it's from their um, grandparents. And I was a little scared of that when I was little. So like, I didn't want to eat that rice because it was <laughs> eaten by <laughs> Eaten by our ancestors, I thought it was a little scary. Well, I mean, now I don't, but yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> no, that that yeah, I would be scared too as a little kid. Like, wait, wait, you're. I would think it's yeah. go- ghost rice. Honestly, it was like, oh my god, I'm yeah. just. I mean... <laughs> my grandma ate this. No. <laughs> well, I I want to thank you so much for your time. I I really enjoyed the conversation. I I learned a lot. Um, about places that I'm very interested in personally t- to visit and see. Um, where can people find you? Where are the best places to to follow you online? If, if... Yeah, so I am very easy to find. Um, I'm Runaway Juno on 
any platform, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and my website, warnamajinal.com. Um, yeah, it's it's been a really pleasure to talk with you. And again, it really bonds me and I missed you when I were in Alaska. I, I couldn't, couldn't believe, believe it, yeah. I was exact same week, I was out of town. Um, but you have to come back next time. And really, you were one of the first online person that I've known for a really long time. So I always feel like I'm talking to celebrity a little bit when I talk to people who I've known in the really beginning. Like, oh, my God, those are the people that I've known. And, you know, my husband, Steven, has been also a long time um, follower of you, too. And he won one of your competitions in, a, a, you know, the destination competition. Yes. He's yes. the one who picked... Um, where was it in Portugal? Ah, okay. Yeah, where was it? It's was the it place Porto? you love so much. Porto. Yeah, he's the one who picked Porto. I, so he I, won that. I have to thank him for sending me to one of the best trips I've ever had in my life. That was, yeah, it's a great city. Really great yeah, city. He, yeah, he loves it. And so, yeah, we've been um, following for a long time. So it's been really great. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been really fun. Yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure. And and I feel the same way, you know, it's like I am bad about getting in touch or keeping in touch with people, but you know, we've known each other online for such a long time. So it's it's really nice to get in touch. And Alaska easily, I will definitely be back. It it is I, I think more people should go, but also at the same time, please a bunch of people don't go and ruin it because it's kind of great. <laughs> <laughs> you know like 10 million people don't go there but you know a couple you guys can go yeah cool so i'll put the links yeah. <laughs> to everywhere people can find you in the show notes and thank you again very much for your time juno and thank you everybody for listening and uh yeah we'll talk in the the next episode remember i'll leave links to everywhere you can find juno down in the show notes so while you're down there too whether you're listening on you know stitcher google apple you know, wherever you listen to this podcast, giving it five stars really does help get the word out. We've got a lot of great shows lined up. I'm very excited. I'm editing podcasts. So we have a couple that are ready to go with really fantastic guests. I just get excited about the guests. I hope you guys do too. We have some really knowledgeable, interesting, creative people, and uh, there's going to be more of that. So thank you again for your five-star reviews. Thank you again for listening. But until the next episode, I hope you have a great rest of your day.